0: Seamus, The Case of the Mason Jar, Part 16, Leaving Brook, is based on the book by John Macdonald, A Bullet for Cinderella.
1: Captain Wayne tried to get me to go to the hospital, but I wasn't interested. Now I sit in Captain Wayne's office. Water from my sodden clothing dripped onto the floor. Captain Wayne sat beside me. Prasad leaned against the wall. A man I didn't know sat on the other side of me. I looked at the pattern of the tiles in the floor as I talked. I told them about one mason jar that Susie had stashed in the cave. About how Susie wanted to get it before she left. I didn't tell them about the rest. I didn't tell them about the money. From time to time, Wayne would ask questions in quiet voice. I told most of the truth, enough that they would believe the story. I told him that Stucky had told me he had hidden Pratt's body in a barn eight or ten miles south of the city, on a side road, in a ruined barn near a burned house. Wayne nodded to Prasad. He went out to send men to hunt for the barn. He'd gone out once before to send men to the island. I told them how to find the cave. I told them what they would find in the cave. I told them that Floyd asked me to find Pixie and that when I found Susie, she was in trouble and I was trying to help her. She had some money in a mason jar buried in the cave and we went to get it. I told them Stucky had tortured me, found out about Susie's hidden money and found Susie's suitcase... Taking her money and jewels, about the deal we struck and how he had crossed me up and followed us to the island. I told them how Stucky had killed Susie and how I had killed him. I didn't tell them any more about Susie. They had learned enough from the Reading police. They didn't have to know more than that. I told them everything Stucky had said about Leon, all of it, the whole stinking mess.
2: Let me get this straight, James. You made a deal with Stucky. You were going to wait until Susie found the money. Then you were going to turn it over to Stucky in return for Irene's safety. You made that deal yourself. You thought you could handle it better than we could. Is that it? I
1: thought that was the only way it could be handled. But he crossed me up. He followed us.
2: We could have grabbed him when he got to the river. We'd have gotten to Irene earlier. If she dies, you're going to be responsible.
1: I looked at him for the first time in over an hour. I don't see it that
2: way. Did he say how he killed Pratt? You told us why he did it.
1: He hit him on the head with a piece of pipe.
2: What do you think the have a girl was going to do when you turned the money over to Stucky? Assuming that it went the way you thought it would go. I guess she wouldn't have liked it. Why didn't she come and get the money herself? Once she knew where it probably was.
1: I haven't any idea. I think she felt she needed help to get away from Redding. I think she decided that I could help her. I think she planned to get away with all of it somehow after we were both well away from here. When I was sleeping. Something like that. I think she thought she could handle me pretty easily.
2: How many shots did he fire into the cave?
1: I wasn't counting. Maybe 20. An officer came into the room. Wayne stood up. The officer looked at me
2: disapprovingly.
1: He stepped back out into the hall and Wayne followed him. A few minutes later, Wayne walked back in.
2: The docs at the hospital say that Irene is going to make it. She will be fine physically with time. Her emotional wounds may last longer. Wayne
1: seemed to be considering something. You should go to bed. You check out your hotel yet? I was numb. Irene would live. I felt tired. A bed sounded good. They took me away. A few days later, the complicated formalities commenced. I had to appear and be questioned at the joint inquest. I told everything I knew on the deaths of Susie Louise Haver and Oren Glenn Stuckey. I signed six copies of my detailed statement. The final verdict was justifiable homicide. I had killed in defense of my life. I had told him about Susie's clothes and jewelry and the money, the precise amount that Stuckey had taken. They found Susie's will in a safe deposit box at a bank along with a wad of cash. In addition, she included a list of places that she hid money. The court appointed Zachary Keller as executor for Susie Haver's estate and guardian for Susie's heirs, the Scroggins children. In the end, Susie had a sizable estate. Those kids didn't have to worry about money for college. Andy Scroggins was none too happy that he couldn't get his hands on it. Leon and Lisette Vincent were buried in the Vincent family plot beside Floyd. The remains of horsemen identified through his dental work was sent to Chicago for his third burial. No relative of Stuckey could be found. The county buried him. Pratt's body was found. His brother flew down and took the body back on the train. When something is dropped and broken, the pieces have to be picked up. The mess has to be cleaned up. They were through with me on Tuesday. Captain Wayne walked down the steps of the courthouse with me. He stood on the sidewalk in the sunshine.
2: You're through here, James. We're through with you. There are some charges we could have made stick, but we didn't. You could be damn glad. We don't want you here. We don't want you here. We don't want to see you back here.
1: You don't have to worry about that. He stared at me, his eyes were cold. My car was parked around the courthouse square. I turned away from him and walked toward it. I didn't look back as I drove away from LaBrook. The trip back to Pensacola gave me time to think. I didn't push as hard as I had getting to LeBrook, Texas. I had the money with me in the car. I could have continued down to Matamoras and drove straight through Central America into Brazil and beyond. I could have. Home is a funny word. Pensacola had been my home until Abby died I had settled in a part of town that was opposite of my version of home To me it was just a place to mark time I thought I was done with Pensacola Family's a funny word too I didn't think I had family anymore I didn't think that anyone cared about me anymore As I drove I thought hard about Irene and Susie Two different paths One was close to me one, I was already walking, but I realized that I didn't want to stay on that path. I did realize I cared about something. I cared about justice. A man needs to do the right thing. I thought about the people that had come into my life over the past year. Family is a funny word. I pulled into Pensacola and headed for my neighborhood. I parked in front of the portico and grabbed the backpack sitting on the seat beside me and walked in. It was early afternoon. The bar was nearly empty. That suited me fine. Well, well, well. Look what the cat dragged in. Ain't seen you in a while. Doris said you left town. She said you weren't coming back. Yet, here you are. Here I am. Cup of coffee? Mike looked at me hard before turning back to the coffee pot. Want a shot of something... Uh, a little stronger than that? He turned quickly and bellowed at the other guy behind the bar. Hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, you, you, hey, you gotta continue to polish those glasses with a towel you just wiped your face with. G- get a clean towel, you pig. Scowling, he turned back to me. Want something sh- stronger? Nope. I do wanna ask a favor. Got something I need you to keep safe for me. Mike tilted his head at me. He shot a glance at the guy at the other end of the bar. Uh, Daryl, run back and get me a bottle of that uh, 20-year-old malt in the storeroom. The young man walked through the door to the back of the bar. Mm. All right, well, what you got? I set the backpack on the counter. Sure, buddy. Mike grabbed the bag and opened the safe to put it in. Family and home are funny words.
3: Thank you for listening to Hunter James' First Case. This story was taken from A Bullet for Cinderella by John MacDonald. I would encourage you to read this work. You can find A Bullet for Cinderella on Amazon or as an audiobook on Audible. John D. MacDonald was one of the greats of the Pulp Fiction era. MacDonald was born in 1916 and began his writing career during his service in the Army Ordnance Corps during World War II. McDonald's first published story was G-Robot, which debuted in the 1936 July edition of Double Action Gang magazine. In 1945, he decided to dedicate himself to writing. After suffering multiple rejections, losing 20 pounds, and typing for 14 hours a day, he finally sold Cash on the Coffin to Detective Tales in 1946. He was so prolific that often his stories would fill an entire magazine edition, with each story having a different name for the author. By 1951, he retired his pen names. John McDonald gave us 500 Pulp Fiction short stories and over 82 novels, including six short story collections. You can follow Hunter in his next case, Thieves and Brigands, inspired by the Great Taxicab Robbery, a true detective story by James H. Collins. Thank you very much for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to Seamus. If you like this episode of Seamus, please leave a review and tell your friends. This has been Seamus, the case of the Mason Jar Part 16, leaving Le Brook. It is based on the book by John MacDonald, A Bullet for Cinderella. Hunter James was played by Tom Hinson. Chief Wayne was played by Patrick Brancato. Mike Reagan was played by Nick Yamateo. I'm Leslie Woodruff. This episode of Seamus was written by Max Reese and directed by Tom Hinton. Seamus is a New Meadows Media Production. All rights reserved.